Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Finally made it. <laughs> Who wants to talk some football? Who wants to talk some Notre Dame football? You're in the right place. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank. Locally owned and operated. Also brought to you by the fine folks at Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949, and by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Leo E. Premer in South Bend or Jim Hibschman in Mishawaka. I'm Jim Arizari. Uh, like I said, happy Friday to you. Uh, we've got you know the last primetime game of the year, I'm assuming. Uh, the time for the, the USC game still hasn't been announced, or at least I haven't seen one. It's been a little bit of a busy week, so I've you know my my mind's been a little bit elsewhere, uh, but uh, you know happens. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that that's pretty much just been the way my week has been. It's been a little bit of a busy week, and uh, and part of it I'll actually get into uh, coming up a little bit later on in this hour. It has a little bit to do with this here radio station, but uh, but first. Let's talk some football. Clemson, as I mentioned, the uh, the last of the uh, of the primetime games, possibly for the season. Uh, Clemson coming in number five in the uh, in the college football playoff rankings, and really those are those are the only rankings that matter anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, the AP was fun, and and the coaches' poll also a blast, but you know. We're, we're, we've it, it's the college football playoff rankings that that I'm paying attention to. That's it. That's it. That's all you really need to pay attention to as well. So, uh, you know, just just stay with those and you'll be fine. Uh, so, a lot of flashbacks. People are having a lot of flashbacks to uh, to the last time the Clemson was here in town. Of course, uh, that was uh, let's see the twenty uh, the twenty twenty season. Notre Dame was a uh, was a was a conference mate with Clemson uh, in the ACC. Uh, it was only students in the stadium, and, uh, and 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 then you know they stormed the field after the game. <laughs> so and there, and there were still like ten thousand people on the field at, at at you know right in the right in the heart of twenty twenty. So uh, you know 
there was that. There was a little bit of an uproar over that. But otherwise, uh, you know, people think back on that game pretty fondly. And, and, and that has kind of given people a little bit of hope as far as, as, far as this weekend goes, even. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, I, I, think, I think Darren said the other day, I think, I think Clemson's just like a four-point favorite on the road. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not bad. And it's going to be a sellout crowd, and hopefully it's going to be loud. Fingers crossed on that, anyway. As long as grandma and grandpa let it be loud, then it'll be loud. But, uh, you know, got to get past them first. So let's think back to that, uh, that 2020 game. Marcus Freeman has some thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I did watch the majority of it. I don't remember if we played when I was at Cincinnati there or not, but I know Mickens, who was at Cincinnati with me, um, I said, let me watch Notre Dame play Clemson. It's a big game. And uh, I know there was parts of the game I was in my head saying, oh, Coach Mickens might be getting an air few, uh, 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 air full right now from somebody. Um, but, you know, it was uh, one of those games that I remember going in. I think it went to overtime, right? It was the last double one. Overtime. Double overtime. And, and they found a way to pull it out and, and – even though it was the COVID year, you saw some students run on the field. It was really cool. To, um, man, but that's a heavyweight battle. That's what that's what you get when you get a team like Notre Dame and Clemson. You know, it's a heavyweight battle and uh, two great historic programs to get to go and clash it out. That it's probably going to be one of those games that um, come down to the last couple series and who executes the most. But you know, I remember Ian Book throwing that long pass. I think to Avery Davis. Yep. Right. There's a couple plays that just stick out in my mind. I know that at the end of the game that they got after the quarterback a little bit, didn't give him a chance to really throw the ball um, in that second overtime. And I'm just thinking back, like there's plays as I'm sitting here talking to you, like the sick, oh, man, I remember that play. You know, and uh, I think uh, did Dorr have a big hit? I think I remember him knocking somebody. Bramley, not Dorr, Bramley, yeah. Yeah, like he rocked somebody. I'm like, man, they got a punter that's in freaking – he's physical, man. So uh, there's some – I mean, as we're talking, like there's just plays that come to my mind. But I know at the end of the game, Notre Dame was victorious. That's a guy who wasn't even here. <laughs> wasn't even here yet. And he remembers that much about that game. That's, that's, how, that's how much it really kind of embedded in people, uh, at least college football fans anyway. Uh, so – Obviously, since then, far different paths, I would say, uh, especially this year. Uh, as I mentioned, Clemson, f- number five in the college football rankings, uh, the, uh, the first set of rankings that came out this week. Notre Dame uh, you know, is, is five and three. So it's not quite the same, but it could be. It could be a very similar game. Why is Clemson top five? Why, like, why, why are they not top four? Why, why are they only top five, Marcus? Um, the ability to run the ball, the ability to stop the run. They're talented. You know, one thing that kind of spoke to me is they never seemed out of it versus Syracuse. They were down 21 to 10, 21 to 7, and, and – you could look at their sideline. I like to watch sidelines. And, you know, uh, when the quarterback, DJ, uh, when he got taken out of the game, to watch that quarterback be the first one cheering the group on, the first one to clap the first quarterback, that, that tells you they got a family. They got a, a team. It's not a bunch of selfish individuals. It's a team. And that's what I look, what I look for when I watch opponents. It's like, okay, we're playing a team that 
no matter what the score is, they're never out. That's one. Two, they're about what's best for the team. And uh, that's a tough opponent. And, and they're talented, right? Let's just make sure we say that. They're talented as heck. And so I know we got a battle coming ahead, a, a tall task coming ahead of us. But listen, man, I, ooh, I want our guys to say, you're Notre Dame, right? And that, you know what? This is what we do. We play in big games like this. You know, it's not it's not a David versus Goliath. This is a heavyweight fight. And uh, we got a dang good football team that I've always said it, man. When we do exactly what we're supposed to do, we gotta, we're a good enough football team to, to win every game we play. But you know what? We have to do that because we've seen if we don't execute, we don't do our job, we're not going to be victorious. And you've seen that in some of the games we played this year. So, um this isn't, a, as I said, this isn't a David versus Goliath. This is Notre Dame versus Clemson, two powerhouse, two blue blood programs that are going to go battle Saturday night here in Notre Dame Stadium. It's going to be really fun, by the way. Really fun game. Uh, I at least think it's going to be a really fun game. I that That's just my thought. Uh, I I always seem to have more fun with night games anyway, so that, that that's just a me thing. That, that That's really just a me thing. Uh it's a big game, you know, as as everybody knows, but it could have been bigger if uh if Notre Dame was sitting at 7 and 1 with the only loss being to Ohio State and Clemson was still, you know, at at, at number 5 in the country and 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 you know, obviously, you know, the Marshall and the Stanford games go differently. Uh obviously this would be a hugely important game. Uh, for both teams as far as the college football playoff would go. It still is for Clemson. Like, Clemson, I I think, has to run the table pretty much uh, in order to move into that top four and also kind of hope for one of those teams to stumble, Uh, which may or may not happen. Um, Actually, Tennessee and Georgia face off. So, yeah, one of them is going to stumble a little bit, a little bit. But are they going to stumble out of the top four? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, Clemson needs a little bit of help, and every win that they can get is very important. However, Notre Dame can improve to 6-3, and three, which sounds a heck of a lot better than 5-4, uh, than and four, definitely. Um, and also, it's really fun playing the role of the spoiler. I may have been saying this last week. It's really fun to play the role of a spoiler. Why not do it against Clemson? Why not do it against Clemson? You know? Why not? How important is this win for both programs, Marcus? You know, victories, um, they do two things for you, really. Um, one, they, they, they get you a great feeling. And anybody in this room that's been victorious, no matter what you, you've done, it, you, you get a feeling, an emotional feeling of being victorious. The other thing, it, gives, it builds confidence. You know, those two things are important, you know, and that's the, the chase that we all have is to chase that feeling of being victorious, but also that confidence, you know, and that's what losing sometimes does is it takes away confidence, right? You obviously don't get the feeling, but you take away confidence. But there's a lot of lessons you learn from failures, you know, and that's what I told our team. The challenge is to – Within a win, right, we know we're going to get that great feeling of being victorious. You know you're going to gain confidence. But, you know, can you take some of those lessons that you learned from failures and, and the, the ability to be selfless, the ability to be urgent and, and 
in fixing our mistakes, the ability to be really intentional in our work. All those things really come to fruition when you lose, right? And so the challenge for us is to continue to be able to have victories and to, um, you know, get that reward, but also continue to have that sense of urgency that you have during the failures, you know? And so what would a win like this do for our program? It's going to continue to help us gain confidence in what we're doing, who we are. Um, but it also, man, it's that emotional feeling that you, you get when you, you're, you're victorious, man. There's no better feeling in the world. And plus, just that feeling of being the spoiler, man. I'm, I'm like, mm. I'm going to harp on that a little bit. Maybe over the you know the the rest of this little dialogue, I don't know, but uh, I mean it, it can be important, you know six and three after this game possibly. And then you go out and you beat Navy and you're seven and three, and then you beat Boston College and you're nine and three, and you head into uh, the Coliseum at Los Angeles against USC, and maybe. You know, you come out of that nine and three. That's still a pretty solid year. You're still going to a, at least a bowl game that you've probably heard of at least. Maybe not a new, you know, probably not a New Year's Six. Actually, uh, probably not a New Year's Six. But you know, a a game that could be scheduled on New Year's Day. Who knows? Who knows? Are there any bowl games on on New Year's Day? Because you know, like the NFL. That like that's a Sunday, so obviously we've got NFL games that week. But maybe maybe they're maybe they'll be on the you know the New Year's Monday or whatever, whatever. Uh, I don't think Dabo's looking over this game either because uh, you know this is a this is a team that has beaten a couple of ranked teams this year. BYU was ranked when uh, when when Notre Dame played them out in uh, out in Las Vegas for the Shamrock Series game. Syracuse was ranked. Syracuse should have come out really pissed off in that game too, uh, <laughs> but you know more uh, more on that in a second. Uh, Dabo, I don't I don't think is is overlooking Notre Dame here. And then you have places like Notre Dame, right? Like that's iconic. Um, and I mean we've. We've won there one time since 1979. Now, I know we've only played there once, uh, but still, I mean, you know, it's not like you get to go to a place like Notre Dame every year. And I think, you know, the the history of Notre Dame, the brand of Notre Dame, is it speaks for itself. I mean, this is uh, uh, a historic place that Tim Bray loves to tell me about uh, for 20 years. Uh, so I, I know way more about Notre Dame than I probably should, uh, but. It's special, and I and I am glad. You know that was, we were thankful to be able to play, uh, but also at the same time, you know, it's kind of disappointing. You know, because especially when when you're when you have this vision, and you go up there, and you know, and it's, it, it is what it is at that time. But so it, it is exciting to be able to see Notre Dame at its best, and and I know that's what we'll get. We'll get we'll get the best the best they got, and look forward to competing against them. I mean, you're, yeah. Like I said, you're still getting a team that's beaten a couple of ranked teams. Played Ohio State tough, even too. Against the ranked teams, Notre Dame's done okay. It's like the you know the couple of garbage teams where things didn't happen like at all. But something that they got out to with the Syracuse game and what really I think gave them the spark to be able and and just. It, like that spark turned into a fire that burned all through the game. You could see it even, and that, of course, being 
Brandon Joseph returning the first play from scrimmage for a pick six. How much how much better of a fast start can you get from that? Not, you know, outside of, you know, maybe being on offense and having like a 75-yard run up the middle by Estime or somebody, or Tyree or Diggs or someone, you know? Like, that's pretty much the equivalent of it. So, how important is a fast start for uh, for this game, especially considering how, you know, this is the number five team in the country? Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be developed in practice. It's got to be developed in practice, man. There's no magic formula. Uh but it's been a word over the past, really since Stanford, that we've been talking, that urgency word. It was first just having an urgency. And then after last game, I didn't love the urgency in the second half. And so we said constant urgency this week. I don't know what the word will be before urgency, but it's going to be something urgency uh, for this week. But it's it's urgency. It's it's, But urgency to do what? To execute. I know you guys hate hearing that word. But it's urgency to execute. All right. That's what they're what I get up in front of the room on Fridays. We have our team meeting and I say, OK, we got to have urgency. We got to have urgency. Urgency to what, coach? To do your job. Urgency to execute. All right. And that's what a mindset. It's not urgency to to go and score touchdowns or urgency to make sure you get a three. And I don't know it's urgency to do your job every single play. That's got to be our mindset. There are a lot of guys in the press and, and Marcus kind of alluded to it, you know, in 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 the in his press conference. Uh Back on Monday, uh, you know that that whole word execute, execute, execute. Um, my word for the you know to the media, you know my 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 message to the media, you know my my fellows in in the press box and whatnot. Um, just turn it into a drinking game. It make it makes those press conferences a hell of a lot more fun. Uh, just counting up how many times he says execute. It trust me, it makes it. So much better, so much better. Heck, do it, do it. Even if you're in attendance at the at the at the press conference as well, what are they going to do? Actually, don't do that. Anyway, uh, back to the game. Drew Pine. Uh, you know, it, it it was kind of it was another one of those bleh kind of days. Uh, obviously, uh, the running game was was definitely the high point, and also the defense going out, causing turnovers. Special teams getting another blocked punt. Uh, so they need better quarterback play. I mean, we know we all know this. Here's here's Marcus Freeman on Drew Pine uh, from the Syracuse game. Yeah, he again, he's got to improve. He's got to improve in, in his accuracy. Um, you know, we got to – but there's a whole bunch more that goes into that, right? Quarterback's got to improve. Um, we got to continue to improve our protection. And, and it's not just the offensive line. Protection can be with running backs. Hey, people being in the throwing lane. You know, I'm, I wrote down a couple notes as we were watching film as an offensive staff and just saying, okay, we got to get the running back here to step up or step out out of his way so the quarterback has a, uh, a lane. The precision of routes, that's so important, you know, that to the eye just watching the game, they won't understand. But to the coaches, winners, the precision of routes are so important. That's a that's a challenge for every that challenge for Michael Mayer. That's a challenge for every tight end. That's a challenge for the wideouts to be precise exactly where you're supposed to be when you run routes. Um, and then the other thing is we gotta, you know, at some point when if we're not running the ball so well, we're gonna throw it more. 
you know, and so right now we're running the ball pretty well. And uh, if we don't run the ball really well, I think it's going to force us to, you know, obviously take more opportunities in the passing game. Oh, yeah, that running game is really, really good. If like if it hasn't been if it hasn't been digs, it's been estimate. And if it hasn't been estimate, it's been digs. And Chris Tyree gets in on the action, too, a little, you know, a little bit. But those are definitely the, the two guys who are who are running the ship. And and last week was a huge game for Audric Estime, especially after, uh, especially after getting pulled the week before because of fumbling. So how did they fix that? Yeah, I think the, it's it's really important as a coach to make sure your players know you believe in them, right? And and that's the one thing that never wavered with Audric is the belief in him being productive and the things he can do as a running back. Now. Belief and, and work and practice are two different things. We had to be very intentional on the things we did with, with ball security um, with him in practice. You know, that has nothing to do with the belief I have in Audrey Estime. But we're, we're insane if we don't think we don't change certain things that we do in practice, you know, to get the results we want. So um, this week in practice, we did some different things in terms of ball security with Audric and, and with all the running backs. And, and Coach McCullough brought some different ideas. And um, it was really good. Um, but it's it's going to be continuous, that work in practice, you know, that we do the intentional work to make sure that, you know, we don't let fumbling the football become something that's a stable of our program. We can't. Ball security is so important. And so you can't just say it without doing the work. And uh, but But the belief in Audric, that that never wavered, and so hey, that kind of goes back to the question I was just asked, and that the belief in what we're building here, the belief in what our program will obtain, it isn't going to waver. It isn't wavering, but the work, the intentionality of our work, has to continue to to change to get the results that we want. Same thing with Audrey. Twenty rushes, hundred twenty-four yards, two touchdowns. He he repaid that that faith that confidence in him uh, pretty nicely against Syracuse I think uh, another guy who came up especially starting in the uh, especially in the fourth quarter uh, the third quarter was like the de- defense was hell the whole team uh, offense and defense were really just kind of asleep through the third quarter. Uh, Howard Cross, though, woke up, especially in the fourth quarter. Here's Marcus Freeman's uh, thoughts on Howard. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, he's a tough guy, man. And he was he he had an ankle surgery. To ke- I mean, an ankle injury that kept him out, um, and then battled back and battled back. And, and I think he tweaked it a couple of times in practice. And those ankle injuries, those high ankle sprains, can be more nagging than actually a break. Like it, it's hard sometimes because it's hard to truly recover. Um, in the course of a season, but he's a tough dude. He is a tough guy, works his tail off. And, uh, you know, I kind of challenged the D-line room. We need some more. We need to get some some batted balls. And I said, we might be, you know, height deficient in that room. But, you know, then you got a guy like Howard Cross that gets – he claims he had two PBU, two uh, – ball breakups or whatever, knock the ball, tip the ball. You know, one turned into an interception. The other one's still a little debatable. You know, might have to watch the TV copy. But, you know, it's, again, it's a point of emphasis to get your hands up. But Howard Cross is a warrior. He's uh, uh, he's going to do great. He's been doing great things for us and will continue to do great things for us. I like Howard Cross. I like him a lot. And something else I like, too, as well as I think everybody else, punt blocks. Can't get enough punt blocks this season. And uh, that, of course, uh, you know, just a huge part of 
special teams coach Brian Mason's game plan. Just get get to the punter and cause some havoc. Make him make him rush a punt even. That you know, make him rush a punt and 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 kick it, you know, shank it, you know, when it goes like 15 yards. That is good special teams play even. Nah, we're just going to block him. Yeah, I've worked with Brian Mason since 2011 when I was at Kent State, and we hired him as a defensive GA. And uh, Mace has those qualities in terms of work ethic, intelligence, um, the ability to connect with players that, that you see here 10, 11 years later that, you know, to me in my mind is, is he's one of the best, right? And then, um, you know, he does a great job. But why is because of his work ethic? Why? Because of his intelligence. Why? Because of his ability to teach and relate to players. You can have all these thoughts in your head, but if your players can't go out and execute it and have a belief in what you're presenting, you're not a great coach, right? You might be really smart, but coaches are, are as good as their players can perform. And uh, that's what uh, really, you know, continues to make my belief in Brian Mason so strong. And you know what? He's he's continuing to get better. I mean, listen, you're not going to trick anybody. You've blocked three punts in the last two games, I think five this year. So, um, and it's not just punt block. You, you know, I challenged the special teams unit in kickoff return. We had been below average in kickoff return. What you see last week, we got one opportunity and it came out for 30-something plus yards and could have went almost, you know, we get one more block, it could go farther. And so that's what you love to see, guys, that – you know, step up to a challenge, but also enhance the things they're really good at. There you go. The highlights from uh, from Marcus Freeman's press conference earlier this week. Uh, looking at uh, looking at IrishBreakdown.com, uh, they they put out some comparisons as far as uh, you know the the uh, the defense and the you know the the Notre Dame offense versus the Clemson defense and vice versa, and uh, the 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 Notre Dame rush defense. Versus the Clemson rush offense, they think is uh, think is about even. Pass defense uh, might actually have a, a little bit of an advantage. Don't forget, Dabo did pull DJ. He did pull DJ against Syracuse. I mean, he's he's not afraid of the he's not afraid of wielding the hook. Scoring defense versus uh, Clemson scoring offense about even too. Uh, let's see. Rush offense against Clemson. Rush defense, and Clemson has an advantage there. So, yeah, the uh, the Clemson definitely has advantages, you know, as far as defense goes. But again, running games on a heater right now. Running games on a heater. Michael Mayer's on a heater. They'll get him the ball. They'll 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 run the ball. Get some more receivers involved too. You know, Jaden, like it was great seeing him, uh, seeing him catch that catch that touchdown. Uh, you know, just you know, stick with the game plan. Really, see what happens for a little bit at least. If it's not working, then you know, start start throwing things up. I'm sure you've got more more pages in the playbook than than we've still seen even. So, you know, don't be don't be afraid. I mean. The top five team. You got basically nothing to lose on the rest of the season. They've got everything to lose. They'll make them sweat. I think it's going to be a lot closer than than a lot of people think. I I, I think I think I think Notre Dame's going to cover. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to cover at least. So 
I, I think it's going to be a really, really good game, I think. So uh, hopefully you've got your tickets. Hope if, uh, if not, you know, uh, you know, turn on the TV and then mute it and then uh, work like hell to, uh, to sync up the audio between the, uh, the TV and the radio because, uh, well, we've got the better play-by-play, quite honestly. Uh, Paul, Burmer, uh, Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris on the call t- uh, Saturday night. Kickoff just after 7.30. Of course, our pregame coverage starts tomorrow at 1 o'clock with the replay of the Marcus Freeman show from last night, in case you missed that. And then uh, we've got Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with uh, with Tim Growl and myself. Uh, by the way, just got the schedule for uh, for tomorrow. Uh, by the way, it's supposed to stop raining by the time we're out at Eddie Street Commons. Fingers crossed. Uh, former defensive receiver, uh, defensive back and receiver, and then Irish offensive coordinator Mike Haywood will be stopping by. Also former uh, 1969 to 1971 Notre Dame running back Bill Gallagher. And some guy named Rudy. <laughs> Just some guy named Rudy. He'll be stopping by too. Like I said, uh, we're in Eddy Street Commons across from Five Guys. So stop on out and see us. Uh, get some art- autographs and and pictures with uh, with our guests. We'll you know try and get some more surprises rung up here. But you know, Rudy's not bad either. So that is all tomorrow. Uh, game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra follows us at four, and then the uh, the network uh, the radio network takes over at six thirty. After the game, of course, I am joined by Reggie uh, Reggie Brooks with the official Notre Dame football post game show presented by Saint Joseph Health System. That is all coming up tomorrow. Coming up next, Darren talked with uh, Matt Connolly from ClemsonSports.com earlier in the week. We'll uh, we'll replay that, kind of get a little different perspective on uh, on this game from the opponent's press box. That is coming up next, part of Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's recruiting, tomorrow's recruiting. Apparently some of the buttons have changed around here. <laughs> it's Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Earlier this week, uh, Darren talked with Matt Connolly. He's a reporter for ClemsonSports.com. He covers the football program for them. And uh, here is their interview from Wednesday. First, let me just ask this. Were you surprised Clemson was number four in the rankings last night? Yeah, I was, honestly. Um, you know, I thought that they would probably be that five to six range. Um, you know, I, I I know they have some good wins and they have some ranked wins, but it's not necessarily against the the top half of the top twenty five. So I was a little surprised uh that, that they were number four, especially after their last performance against Syracuse. It seems like some of the national media is trying to downplay the Clemson schedule so far. They're eight and no. They have beaten some really good teams like Wake Forest, North Carolina State. Now Florida State, of course, has fallen off after a really good start to the season. What do you think of the competition level that Clemson has played this year? And do you think they have played their best game as of yet? Yeah, as far as the competition, I mean, I think it's been okay. You know, they played in NC State before Devin Leary got hurt. I think that was a pretty good NC State team uh, with him at quarterback, although they don't really have the playmakers um, on offense of a true top-ten team, I don't think. Um, you know, the Syracuse win was, was pretty good at the time with Syracuse being unbeaten up until that point, but obviously Notre Dame handled them pretty easily, and I'm still not sure how good that Syracuse team um, is. And then, 
you know, Wake Forest was probably their best win going into last weekend. And Wake Forest got blown out by Louisville and uh, really struggled in that game. So, you know, I think they definitely have some good wins, um, not necessarily a great win. And, you know, as far as Clemson playing their best game, I don't think they have yet. You know, they've, they've either struggled defensively like they did against Wake Forest, they struggled offensively uh, like they did against Syracuse, or they've struggled to put teams away like they did against Florida State when uh, a 20-point game all of a sudden was down to six in the last minute or two. So, you know, I, I was a little surprised where they were. Um, like I said, I don't think they've played their, their best yet. I don't think they've played a complete game yet. And I'm not sure that they've really played a, a true elite team yet either. Well, two years ago, I had DJ's name down, and now I'm struggling with it again, but DJ Uyan Galale. I'll just let you say it. I'll point to you, and you say it every time. Well, DJ and then the freshman, Cade Klubnik, shared time in the Syracuse game. How would you assess the quarterback play this year, and do you expect DJ to play the whole game if he plays well, or do we see a little bit of the freshman? Yeah, prior to uh, the Syracuse game, the quarterback play had been excellent. You know, DJ really had played well. If you look at all the advanced stats and advanced metrics, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. Um, I know at one point he led the nation in big-time throws or, or was right there among the top. Uh, so he was really playing well up until the Lake Forest game, and then the wheels just fell off. Uh, he had a bad fumble, had a couple of bad picks where it was just balls he shouldn't have thrown. Um, I, I think – Syracuse confused him some in that game, and he kind of, uh, you know, hesitated at times or, or waited too long to let the ball rip. So, yeah, you know, before last game, I would have told you, um, you know, he was playing great, and Clemson had one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and, and now it's kind of a question mark again, I think. So, you know, as far as who plays, I mean, if DJ's playing well, I think you'll see him in. Cade came in against Syracuse and did enough to get the win, but the main thing he did was just not turn the ball over. He wasn't making a ton of, you know, accurate throws downfield or – or lighten up the scoreboard or anything like that. He really just relied on that running game and took care of the football. So I don't think Cade's really ready at this point to, to go into a place like Notre Dame Stadium um, and, and kind of come out with a win the way he was able to at home against Syracuse. So I think ideally DJ plays well, DJ plays the whole game, and, and he's the guy. But I do think the leash is shorter for DJ now than it would have been going into the Syracuse game if he does start to struggle that uh you know they feel like if, if he has a couple of early turnovers, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Kate come in. Hmm, very interesting. Matt Connolly covers Clemson football for ClemsonSports.com, part of the On3 family. Of course, we work with Blue and Gold Illustrated, also a part of that On3 family. What is your assessment of the Clemson offensive line? The Irish have done a pretty good job lately of putting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, it's been a good group that's been really good this year. I think that's probably been a bright spot. It's just the way that Clemson has protected the quarterback. Uh, the running game's gotten going at times. I know uh, Notre Dame had a lot of success running against Syracuse. Clemson did the same. Um, I think they were over 300 yards and, and probably would have been more if not for the turnovers. So mm-hmm. it's a group that's been solid. Uh, they, they've done a nice job of protecting GJ, like I said. Um, I don't know that they've been challenged all that much. They faced um, you know, elite pass rushers the way you know I think Notre Dame can kind of challenge them in that way. Uh, so you know, it's been a group that's been good, but also not necessarily tested a ton against elite defenses. So I'm interested to see how they hold up on Saturday. Matt, I think back to some Notre Dame-Clemson matchups, whether it's in a hurricane or in the college football playoffs, <laughs> that Clemson 
during their amazing rise, winning a couple of national championships under Dabo, they always seem to have one or two wide receivers that go into that dynamic category, and and they have done some damage against Notre Dame through the years. A lot of those guys have gone on to have really good NFL careers. I'm wondering the quality of the wide receivers that Clemson has right now, I guess led by the freshman Williams, who's been awfully good lately. Yeah, it's a good group. It's not anything like those other teams, I don't think. And I think that's probably the reason why Clemson's, you know, not, in my eyes, really a, a threat to win the national title at this okay. point. It's just they don't really have that dynamic, um, you know, five-star type guy that's just going to go up, 6'3", 6'4", guy who's going to go up and make contested catches, uh, you know, regularly. I mean, they have Joseph Ngata, who's, a bigger receiver that they play on the outside that's been solid this year. Um, he's made a decent amount of one-on-one plays, but he's also dropped too many passes. Uh, you, you mentioned Antonio Williams. He's probably been the best and most consistent. He's a, a smaller slot guy who's really good in space, Really ha- has really good hands, has a knack for getting open and finding soft spots and zones. Um, but, again, he's not necessarily a guy that's just going to go up and, and make you know the, the circus-type catches that – Sometimes you need to win those big games. So I think they're solid at receiver. Um, not great. Have, have some guys that are that are pretty good. Uh, Bo Collins is a guy who I think you know we we kind of expected to have a big year, and at times he did this year. And then the last two games, he hasn't had a catch. So it's just been kind of inconsistent um, receiver play, and not maybe one of those guys like a Mike Williams or a T Higgins. You kind of look at and say that guy's going to go be an NFL Pro Bowl receiver. Um, I think it's more so just a a solid group without really a star wide out right now. Well, two years ago, I think every Notre Dame football fan knew every detail on Will Shipley. I mean, Irish fans wanted this guy so bad. And I think Notre Dame did everything they could to impress him. But ultimately, he picked Clemson. And right now, 739 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. He's got 19 catches on the season. I guess it's fair to say he has lived up to the high school hype. Yeah, he's been he's been really good, um, and, and especially in big games, they lean on him more. You know, there are times this year where they've kind of split carries more with him and Phil Moffa and Kobe Pace, but in the big games where they've needed someone to kind of ride and, and try to get big plays late, he's definitely the guy that they lean on. And so, yeah, I mean, that's probably been the most consistent part of their offense this year is just that running game and, and relying on him to – Make plays in the running game, make plays in the passing game out of the backfield. Um, they, they just try to get him the ball a variety of different ways. But he's really good and definitely a guy that uh, Notre Dame will want to know where he is on Saturday. Well, Matt, I think every Irish fan listening to this is hoping you're going to tell us that that Clemson defensive line in front seven's overrated, they're overhyped, but I have a feeling you're going to tell us they've been the best part of this football team throughout the year. I wouldn't say they're overhyped, but I don't think they've been as dominant at times um, as we expected. Okay. You know, I think that part of that's been injuries. Brian Brzee was, was banged up um, at times this year. And then also, um, obviously, dealing with the death of his sister was really hard on him, and he missed some time then. And so, you know, I think he's been trying to get back into football shape. Uh, Miles Murphy, who was a guy that was maybe looked at as a top five pick before the season, has been inconsistent. He's been better as of late, but at one point, um, you know, he didn't even start. He was kind of put to the bench, and I think that was just the staff trying to motivate him in some ways. Xavier Thomas uh, had had a good game when he came back against Boston College, uh, but he's still not fully healthy. So, you know, it's a group that's been good. I think it's been solid. Uh, it, it hasn't really lived up to the 2018 
group in my eyes that just kind of with Christian Wilkins and Cleveland Farrell and, wow. and Austin Bryan and Dexter Lawrence and those guys uh, were so good. You know, I don't think it's been at that level, and, and part of that's been injuries. So, yeah, I think it's been, like I said, a, a good group. Obviously, a lot of really good players on that side of the ball and in that defensive front, but maybe not as dominant as, as we kind of thought going into the year. Matt, looking at that Clemson-Syracuse game, Syracuse had some success running the football, but it was with the quarterback, Garrett Schrader, and from my vantage point, it looked like Clemson was trying to take away Sean Tucker and a lot of those handoffs that might have went to him, the read option, Schrader kept it. Maybe that's why Tucker only had five carries in the ball game. But Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback that can run the football. How do you think that affects the matchup, the Irish run game, against that Clemson front? Yeah, I was going to say, Tucker had success too. Syracuse just didn't give him the ball. Uh, but yeah. you're right. You know, they did do a – Clemson did a good job of trying to force the ball – to Schrader, force him to keep it on that read and, and just kind of overloaded that side where Tucker would get it. So, you know, I think that was one thing Syracuse kind of regretted coming out of that game. I think Tucker had two carries in the second half, and, and Syracuse had a lead for most of that half. So, just kind of a weird game, weird game plan uh, from that aspect. But, yeah, I think definitely Clemson has struggled at times with mobile quarterbacks, and, and the fact that Notre Dame doesn't have one uh, is probably beneficial to Clemson. You know, Jordan Travis at, at Florida State had some success running against Clemson. In that game, they had over 200 yards rushing. So Clemson was really good um, the first five or six games of the year against the run, and the last couple have kind of had some spots where uh, teams have found some weaknesses. And, and you know, I think Clemson spent a lot of time over the bye trying to figure out what was going on up front in some areas and, and fixing some run fits and stuff. So definitely interested to see how that matchup works. You know, I think that's probably what's going to decide the game is – if Notre Dame can run the ball and if Clemson can stop the run. Matt, I watched that Clemson-Wake Forest game live, and Wake Forest did an amazing job of putting pressure on the Clemson corners. There were interference calls. There were big plays. And then late in the ball game, Wake Forest decided they needed to run the football a lot, which I thought was very, very strange, and they lost in double overtime. I'm wondering, after watching the Clemson-Wake Forest game, how far has the secondary came? Yeah, that was a game, too, kind of like with Syracuse, where Clemson eventually just said, hey, we're going to sit back and, and play a lot more coverage and drop drop seven and drop eight. Um, and Wake Forest decided to go away from what was working and, and kind of stick with the running game, which was interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think Clemson's definitely made some strides since that game. You know, they've gotten Sheridan Jones back, who was a senior corner. He's probably not a guy that's going to go star in the NFL or anything, but just a solid college football player. Um, he's been really good since he's come back. I think, uh, you know, they've kind of shored up some other parts of that secondary. Andrew McCoub has gotten healthy um, at safety. He's been really good lately. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, they played some younger guys in that game. Um, Fred Davis, Toriano Pride, who were probably a little overwhelmed at that point, who have played better lately. So, you know, I do think Clemson's improved since that Wake Forest game for sure. Uh, you know, they, they just had – Several guys out, and then I think played a uh, a lot too much man coverage when mm. you're talking about true freshmen in some instances going up against maybe the best group of receivers mm. in the ACC. So definitely, uh, I think schematically and just players kind of improving throughout the year. Um, they, they've made some large strides from that game. 
Matt, let me finish with this. There just seems to be a little bit of a national narrative that Notre Dame might be in position to pull off the upset. I hear the buzz, well, maybe Clemson's not that good, blah, 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 blah. Well, when it comes down to it, when you look at this game, what do you think would be the number one reason why Clemson wins this game? And what could be something from this game that could lead to a lot of trouble for Clemson? Yeah, I think for Clemson to win, I think it's just take away the running game. Um, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Notre Dame, but I have watched a couple of their games. And I just haven't seen enough from, from Drew Pine to feel like he can make the passes down the field that, that you need to to beat Clemson. Um, the way Wake Forest did, which is, is, you know, the team that's by far had the most success against Clemson. There have other been, been other teams that have moved the ball some. Uh, but I think, you know, if there is a weak point on Clemson's defense, it's through the air. And so I'm just not sure that Notre Dame – uh, has the quarterback play and, and the the uh, receivers to kind of exploit that. I know, um, you know, Wes Goodwin, Clemson's defensive coordinator this week, said that you stop the run and stop Michael Michael Mayer, and that's how you win, that he gets yeah. all the targets. So that's definitely the game plan for Clemson um, this week. You know, I think if Notre Dame gets a run game going and, and you know, Mayer's able to, to hit some big plays, then that's when Clemson's getting into some trouble. I also think Clemson, if, if Clemson turns the ball over early, um, and like I mentioned earlier, has to has to put Kate Klumnick in because DJ's still turning it over and his confidence is gone, then I think Clemson's in some trouble then too. So, you know, I'm expecting a close game. I mean, the spread's three and a half, four points. I think that that's probably about right. I think Notre Dame's probably got the best defense Clemson's seen and, and maybe the best offensive line they face too. And so, you know, there's definitely a path for Notre Dame to win. Um, I just personally don't haven't seen enough – from the quarterback play to to pick them, um, but definitely expecting a good a good game Saturday. Your assessment is right on with a lot of Irish fans or most Irish fans on the Notre Dame <laughs> passing game, no doubt about it. Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate your insight on this Clemson football team. I wish Notre Dame was in a little better position record-wise to make this an even bigger game, but obviously a huge game for the Tigers trying to get back to the playoffs. So thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate it, and safe travels to South Bend later this week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Looking forward to being back. I was there a couple of years ago. I'm one of the best uh, best kind of stadiums and, and atmosphere and all that kind of stuff um, that you'll see, for, especially for a COVID year. So excited <laughs> to see it uh, completely full this year. Yeah, you're going to get a few more people, I think, on yeah, Saturday. That's for oh, yeah, sure. So. <laughs> hey, Matt, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Have a good one. And you can uh, read all Matt's stuff at ClemsonSports.com. Get a little preview of uh, of the Tigers coming to town tomorrow against Notre Dame. Uh, coming up, talk a little betting if I can if I could squeeze it in. Uh, also talk about a few changes around here. It's Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I do feel it. (laughs) Slumbercon Lunch, powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also brought to you in part by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. All right, so uh, you may have heard some some of these changes already, and it may not be news to you or anything like that. But um, we've 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 gone and changed a few things up around here because, uh, well, let's just be honest about it. There, there there were some things that that, that needed to be changed. 
morning show. Um, so running six to nine from CBS Sports Radio. You heard the DA show uh, from six to nine this morning. Uh, you will continue to hear the DA show from six to nine every weekday morning. It's just a better morning show. It just really is. Uh, Dan Patrick's still going to be uh, live nine a.m. to noon. So. No change there. Uh, ESPN's Greeny, out. Just as well. He only hosts the show like six times a year anyway. Uh, instead, we're going to go to the jungle. We're going to run the uh, the Jim Rome show from CBS Sports uh, from noon to three every day, live. Get get all of Romy's takes. So that uh, happening, you know. Noon to three is the usual time, of course. Uh, you know, throughout the rest of football season, still gonna have Leprechaun lunch Fridays at noon, and of course Monday at noon we'll have the Marcus Freeman press conference as well. So, you know, there is that. But the rest of the week, noon to three, Jim Rome, Colin Cowherd uh, will now run three to five, uh, and then uh, Darren also continuing. He's on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from 5 to 7 this afternoon. He'll continue to do that. And uh, ESPN's radio shows uh, in the evening, we're, uh, we're kicking those to the curb as well. Fox Sports Radio's Covino and Rich will run from 7 to 9 uh, on nights where there aren't any games. So tip for, for right now anyway, that's uh, that's typically going to be like, like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They'll be on tonight as well, so... You'll uh, you'll get your first chance to uh, to hear Cavino and Rich uh, coming up at seven o'clock tonight. You'll get the uh, you know another chance to hear Jim Rome now uh, coming up after this little program as well. And then of course you know late nights and uh, and weekends continue with uh, with CBS Sports Radio and uh, and all that stuff. So it's just a better entertaining lineup for crying out loud, isn't it? Seriously though. <laughs> Take, take a listen to the DA show, all right? Just take a listen, and you'll go, man, what took you so long on that? <laughs> Guarantee it. Uh, just a couple of, just about a minute and a half left. Uh, hey, some afternoon hockey going on, so uh, there's something else to distract you at work. Uh, Columbus and Colorado are playing in Finland. Because why the hell not? Uh <laughs> Colorado obviously favored in that. Uh, that's uh, that's a two oh five start, by the way. So, you know, start getting those bets in if you're a hockey fan. Even if you're not a hockey fan, just bet on Colorado. Bet on Colorado to uh, to cover the spread. Cover color, you know, straight up on the money line. Goal line of six and a half goals. Colorado's probably going to go over that as well. So. That would be that would be my advice as far as uh, as far as some afternoon betting uh, for you, and then uh, let's see we've got uh, you know Notre Dame and Clemson that's a three and a half point spread at BetMGM. Uh, WSBT dot or uh, WSBT Jim is my promo code by the way, so use that when you sign up if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, three and a half. Uh, I mean Notre Dame plus three and a half. Why wouldn't you? Why? Wouldn't you? Now, you could be eating your words, you know, if if Clemson comes out and has like three interceptions right in a row. Okay, fine. I'll take that one. But, you know, I don't see that happening, really. Because they're going to be running the ball a lot. 
That's Leprechaun Lunch for uh, for this week. See you tomorrow out at uh, Eddy Street Commons with uh, Game Day. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 